A reading from Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. O Lord, have mercy on us. A reading from John chapter 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Oh, whoops. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets, but now, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son. These last four Wednesdays have been centered around one topic, that being sharing Jesus with those around you. It began with our family, then we talked about with our friends, then we talked about with random people, and how that's often difficult, how often in this world, the world will reject. And... Don't take it personally, Jesus says. The world isn't rejecting you, they're rejecting me, he says. 
And so we're setting out to discover how to share this joy, this assurance of a personal relationship with Jesus, with everyone we know. And the cornerstone of all of that, sharing Jesus, is this simple theme, which is Jesus' own words, come and see. He says it to Andrew, come and see. Philip says it, come and see Jesus. Come see for yourself. Make a decision for yourself. Maybe Jesus will titillate you. Maybe something will catch your ear, catch your mind, catch your heart. Simply inviting people, people you love, to come and meet Jesus where he promises to be. If we simply do this, as Jesus' disciples have done for over 2,000 years, Jesus will pick up the heavy burden. Because today is the feast day of St. Thomas, our time tonight will be spent focusing on Thomas's relationship with Jesus. Thomas means the twin, which, I don't know, does that mean that one of the other disciples was his twin brother? Did he look just like him? Did he sound like him? Twins don't usually have the same personality. Usually they're pretty different. One likes sports, one likes video games. One likes red, one likes blue. Usually one's a boy, one's a girl. And I dare not say Thomas, though, was a background disciple, but he only speaks four times in the Gospels. He was there from the beginning. He followed Jesus. He learned under Jesus for his entire ministry. Thomas saw Jesus' miracles. Some might even say he was dependent on seeing miracles for his faith. Others might say he was too rational. He thought too much. He put too much into what he could see and touch. In fact, one time Jesus is, you know, doing his thing. He's like, I need to die, rise again, ascend into heaven, and so on. And Thomas interrupts him and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. You keep saying, I'm going to go away. We don't know where you're going. So how can we follow you if we don't know where you're going? And Jesus takes this moment of misunderstanding and he says, well, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Whoever follows me will be granted everlasting life. But Thomas, this close disciple of Jesus, is standing there in front of his Lord, and he's completely spiritually blind. He cannot see Jesus. So faith is more than seeing with your eyes. It's more than touching with your fingers it's trusting in promises. It's trusting in words. For Jesus wouldn't always be with them. 
The text that I read to you today came from the end of the Gospel of John. The reason why I messed up is because I had it marked in my Bible that this is where the Easter Sunday reading begins. And so I accidentally began to read about the disciples that were locked in the room afraid, and Jesus appeared to them. And he says, peace be with you. But we, get, we start with this interesting note. No, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. He wasn't there with the disciples when Jesus came. It means he was off hiding by himself. Yes, all of them were hiding when Jesus died. They said, oh crud, this Jesus guy, he died. Maybe he wasn't God. Whoops. And so they hid. Or maybe they were hiding because he died. He was killed by these authorities, and they didn't want to be killed either. So they were hiding. Either way, they were hiding. Instead of going out and sharing the word as Jesus asked them to. But Thomas is hiding by himself. He's not with his brothers. He's not with his twin. He's hiding by himself. And hiding from Jesus is a dangerous place to find yourself. Apart from Jesus is coldness. Apart from Jesus is isolation and mediocrity. Apart from Jesus, you feel like it's all on you to have joy. It's all on you to find purpose. It's all on you and what you can do to be valued, to be loved by your family, your friends, and your community. And that's where Thomas was stuck, apart from Jesus. When his best friends, possibly even his twin brother, told him that Jesus is alive, he's not dead. He rose from the dead just like he promised he would. Thomas didn't believe it. He says, not until I see the wounds in his hands and in his side and touch them myself will I believe. Not until Jesus does what I want, then I'll believe in him. And so, he stubbornly chooses to live in despair, to live in bitterness, to live in loneliness, to live in unbelief, unbelief of the living Christ for eight days. And Jesus lets him be stuck in that hell for eight days. How could Thomas stand it? How could anyone live apart from Jesus Christ, the the risen Jesus Christ, for eight days? How could he do it? This source and giver of life, he had cut himself off from him. We look back on Thomas and we think he's ridiculous. It's crazy. How could one of Jesus' own disciples not believe that he was risen? Everyone else believed. Or maybe you even identify with what Thomas did of putting Jesus to the test because you do it yourself. Maybe you think Thomas was smart or he was enlightened. Well, sure, you know, like I'm from Missouri in some aspect. Our motto is the show me state. Show me. Jesus is risen. Show me Jesus is risen. 
But our desire to be shown, to touch, that's only because we are lost. We're spiritually blind ourselves. We are lost to sin. We are lost to our own desires. We put Jesus to the test constantly. A promise I always make to myself, even if I'm not thinking it, is I'll make Jesus more important when I'm less busy, right? I'm so busy, you know, doing work for the church here. I don't have time for Jesus. And so I hide myself from him. I'm at the gym. I'll make time for him later. Oh, it's about time to go to bed. I'll do it in the morning. I cut myself off from Jesus. But once those eight days are up, Jesus says, that's enough. Enough, Thomas. Enough isolation. And Jesus comes to him. Peace be with you, Thomas. Put your finger in my side. It's really me, Thomas. It's me, Jesus, the one you saw crucified for your sins, risen again for you. Touch and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Thankfully, Jesus' words were enough for Thomas. No touching needed. Jesus' words opened the eyes of a blind heart. To see who Jesus is. Jesus seems to force it on Thomas. He says, do not disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. And usually what Jesus says goes. I will die on the the cross for your sins. I will rise again after three days. And so it happens. And that's when Thomas boldly proclaims, my Lord and my God. Jesus is my Lord and my God. Jesus has died for my sins. Jesus has risen for me that I might rise. And Jesus continues. He says, Thomas, you only believe because you've seen me. Blessed are you who have not seen me and yet believe. I always like this fourth wall break from Jesus because from 2,000 years away, he's talking to you. He's imagining a young man reading these words to you from a pulpit. Blessed are you who have not seen Jesus and yet believe. The flip side of that coin Not blessed is poor old Thomas. Blessed are you who have not seen Christ, yet believe in his death and his resurrection for your sins. Jesus has done a million things. He continues to speak and do a million things in your life. And he lets you know about them in his word. He lets you know about him in your baptism. Maybe you're baptized. 
Well, Jesus has saved you and brought you to himself. Are you still his? Maybe you take communion or you would like to soon. Jesus has come to you there. Seek him out. But how can Jesus interrupt your isolation, your loneliness, the disorder of your busy life each day? Only through his word. And this is where prayer becomes so important. Prayer by yourself when you rise from bed. As you ease yourself into bed, as you catch yourself, okay, we're eating dinner together this one time this week. Let's say a prayer together. To crack open the bulletin that someone accidentally brought home from church on Sunday and to read one of those readings again. To ask, what was weird about that one? What caught your attention? And then Google it. Write it down. Ask pastor. Text pastor. Start the discussion as a family. It only takes minutes to read through the gospel. Paragraphs at a time. But this is how Jesus brings order and salvation to your home. You have to invite him. This is the final service that we're going to have in the season of Advent. It's all about preparation, preparing for Jesus to return. He came the first time as an infant. He returns constantly to you in the word. He returns constantly to you in his sacrament. But he will come again in judgment. And this is where it is my job to warn you. Keeping Christ out is dangerous. How Jesus talks is, he says, the master might return at any moment and find you distracted or even sleeping when I knock on the door, he says. These scriptures... Say that these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you and your family would have life in his name. Everything we need for faith is here in the scriptures. It does the work of creating and sustaining faith when it's read, no matter how small of portion or whatever form it might take. Eternity might seem far away to you, but life, true presence in the right now, free from distractions and meaninglessness that we feel, it can be yours now in Jesus Christ. Amen.